Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. All right. Hey, good morning, church. Good morning, man. Good to see all of you guys here in the house of the Lord. Man, what an awesome time of worship. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's go ahead and say thank you to the worship team for leading us. Um, well, just like Carly said, man, if it's your first time, I just want to tell you uh, a special welcome. Uh, my name's Buck, and I have the honor and privilege uh, of serving as the lead pastor here at Connection. Uh, one of the things we love to do uh, is we love to celebrate when God's doing a good work. So our first week back, uh, Connection students, we saw three students say yes to Jesus uh, for the first time. So we can celebrate that. Uh, so thankful. Also, this week, man, I, I'm excited about this. One of the things we talk about uh, is that we believe real life change happens in community. And uh, these, these communities are what we call connect groups. And so uh, we value these, these groups of eight to 12 people that gather together to eat, uh, to fellowship, and to study God's word. This week, I'm excited. Uh, connect group number 18 plants uh, at Connection Church Dublin. So we can celebrate that. And just say thank you. All right, well, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. If you'll grab your Bibles, we'll be in Matthew uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 23. Uh, moving right along in our series, uh, A Greater Story, longest one we've ever done uh, to date. Uh, but what we've been doing is we are walking through uh, 40 passages, 40 stories in the Bible. And what we are learning in these stories is that each one is telling a, a greater story. It's telling a story uh, about a man that was sent from heaven, uh, a man that came to die in place for our sins, a perfect Savior that we can know through faith. And that perfect Savior, his name is Jesus. Uh, and so today we are looking at the ministry and life and teachings uh, of Jesus. So if you will, let's read, uh, starting in verse 23. This is what God's Word says. Matthew 8, verse 23. It says, then he got into the boat, talking about Jesus, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Church, let's go together in prayer. Uh, Lord, we love you. Man, I'm excited for today. Uh, God, I pray over this word that we've read. Uh, God, I believe it is for today. Uh, God, I believe you want to speak to us through your word. And so, God, now as I stand here, Lord, I just pray uh, that you would use me. God, that I would be a vessel, that this time would be nothing about me. But, uh, God, I just invite you to lead our time. Uh, your word is alive and active. Uh, it does great work. And so, God, we pray for that. Uh, and most of all, Jesus, as we've really been praying throughout this series, let us see you more clearly. Um, and so, God, we love you. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're obviously talking about boats and storms. So I want to talk about a childhood uh, memory of mine. So when I was a kid, uh, we used to go to Blackbeard Island. Anybody familiar with Blackbeard Island? All right. Uh, it's not as creepy as it sounds. Uh, but, but it was a, a place that you had to travel across, uh, kind of like the ocean, what they called the sound. 
all right? And we would get there, and we would drag a seine net and uh, catch fish. Um, it was really, really cool until you pulled the seine net up, and, and there's a hole in it like this, and we're, we've been walking around in the beach, like dragging this thing up. And you realize that hole was most likely created by a shark, right? Uh, and so it's kind of this sobering moment, but honestly, it was really cool. But on the way, sometimes we ran into some choppy, choppy waters uh, that, that we would often go with my high school football coach and my dad. And, uh, and he had a son, his youngest son, little blonde headed boy named Luke. And Luke uh, was notorious when bad weather looked like it was coming and it got a little wavy. Uh, my boy Luke panicked, okay? Uh, little, little five-year-old Luke, uh, he'd start doing that two-step. You used to see it on Friday nights, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he'd start hitting that two-step when it was getting real shaky and the waves were getting bad. And we called, what we started calling it was, oh, that's just Luke doing his boat dance, okay? Uh, and so Luke was uh, panicking really bad and, and wigging out. And we were like, Luke, it's going to be okay. We're, we're, we're going to make it to Blackbeard Island. Um, and the rest of us, uh, we weren't really that afraid. Even though there was a storm, uh, even though there were some waves, uh, I, I knew the captain. I, kn- I knew my dad. Uh, he was the captain of the ship, and I knew he knew what he was doing. Like, I trusted him. Even if things look bad, I'm like, he, he knows what he's doing, and we're going to get through this storm. And so I, I say that to say, uh, I, I wish that was life all the time. Amen. <laughs> Uh, I wish when storms come up uh, that I could say I've always had just this steady faith and trusting who was leading my ship. But to be honest, aren't there times in our life where storms blow up on our boat that the winds and the waves look way too high, the boat looks way too small, and we don't know if we're going to make it? Can anybody relate with this with life? And so we're going to talk into this about the storms of life. And what I want you to know, if you don't hear anything else today, the main thing I want you to take is this. Have faith in Jesus even when it storms. Hear that again. I want you to have faith in Jesus even when it storms. And so uh, to, to understand what Jesus is teaching here, if you were here last week, we talked about a lot of Jesus's ministry is training his disciples. This one is no different. He is getting ready to teach them a lesson that is going to serve them well for the rest of their life. So uh, let me describe the lake they're going across, okay? So this is called uh, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Other uh, places it's called the lake or the the lake or, or, uh, yeah, the Lake of Gethsemane. And so um, it's not like Lake Sinclair. Uh, It's a little bit different. Uh, This lake is about 13 miles long and about eight miles wide. So we're talking about a pretty significant uh, body of water. To hear it described, uh, the, the water is really sweet to taste. The fishing's great. In fact, most of these disciples, before they followed Jesus, they fished it. But man, it is one of the most peaceful and serene places on earth. There's, a, there, there's like a, a big steep cliff, like a mountainside right there beside it. So just think about sitting on a, a boat on a lake with a good breeze, good temperature, and a beautiful scenery. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful places on earth. But it's also known, because there are big mountains right beside it, when a cold front hits that water, they said a terrible, violent storm throughout its time can pop up in a moment. And so one minute you're sitting there and things are all at peace, but then the next minute there's a crazy storm just blowing you all around. And man, isn't this a great picture of life? Has anybody ever been in a peace and a joyful season and one phone call changed everything? 
One phone call, and all of a sudden, we're in the midst of a storm that we don't know what we're going to do with this news. Have you ever felt like a peaceful day just turned into chaos? Have you ever felt like life sometimes feels like the great American scream machine at Six Flags? It's, it's incredible highs, incredible lows, and it's kind of a scary ride all the way along. What I want you to know is this. Life is full of ups and downs, hills and valleys, calms and storms. But what I am telling you is that we can have peace in the midst of the storms. This is what Jesus offers us here. But how? How can we be at peace uh, in the midst of life's storms? I think just hearing the reaction, we all know storms. Well, I want you to know, it starts, having peace starts with having faith to follow Jesus. You might want to take that with you. Uh, the, The way to peace starts with having faith to follow Jesus. I want you to look with me in verse 23. Notice who got into the boat first. It says, then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. There was an intentional choice to get into the boat with Jesus. They decided to follow him. Uh, I think about it like this, okay? Um, You know, running a marathon, okay? Uh, When when, when we go out and think about running a marathon, that's 26.2 Miles. That's a really, really long time, okay? And we can go to Boston. Let's just say it's the Boston Marathon. We can show up with T-shirts on that say Boston Marathon. We can be, heck, one of those guys at the road that's right there beside the race, okay? But just because you're close to the race doesn't mean you've started racing. And I want you to know something here about the decision to follow Jesus one of the best studies I've ever done in my life, okay? A Sunday school teacher took me through some, some content called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. If you want some swift conviction, you look that bad boy up, right? But the whole means of that study was that Jesus has not called us to show up at the boat and wave and cheer him on. He's called us to get into the boat with him. He hasn't called us to get near Jesus at church and cheer on others that are following. He's called us to step into the boat and follow Right? And I remember that study convicting me of like, man, I think I was in proximity to Jesus, but I had never surrendered my life to follow Jesus. This is a huge distinction right here. And what happens when we don't call people to follow, but we allow fanship, we're going to totally miss out on the life of Jesus. And what we have to have is a high view of salvation, is that it is not a come, be close to church, get a little better, stay consistent, and it all work out on the end. No, we are spiritually dead in our sin, and we need new life in Christ. We have a high view of salvation here. If you come, man, we celebrate baptisms because we believe that's a big deal. Right? And so we, we are talking about going from fan to followership. And if you're taking notes, I want to teach on this doctrine. This doctrine is called justification. The, the, the decision to get into the boat is justification, right? And what it looks like is this. Uh, it starts by trusting in Jesus. It's actually really interesting. These disciples, when Jesus called them, they were in their own boats doing their own fishing, okay? And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. So think about it, the direction of their life. They were, had their own way of doing things, All these guys were not the the religious type. Uh, They were known as sinners. One of them was a tax collector who would have been the worst of worst of sinners. So it wasn't like they started out with a good deck of cards. No, they they were sinful. They, They did things that hurt the heart of God. 
But when Jesus called them, what they did is they were in their boats living life their way. And when they heard Jesus's voice to come and follow, what they did is said, man, man, this was my way of life, right? And I realized that my way does not lead to God, but his way does. I'm repenting. I'm turning from my sin. I'm placing my faith in Jesus, not to just pray, but I'm going to walk behind him. I'm going to follow him. But listen, when we come to the place in our hearts where our faith is, I'm done with sin, I say yes to Christ. Listen, you are saved. You're justified in the moment. And what's crazy, whatever your old life looks like, Jesus has paid for it. And when you turn around by faith, it is covered and you've been forgiven. This is huge. This is huge. And I believe at that moment, that's when we get in the boat. Right? And so uh, justification. Uh, these guys stopped, dropped their nets and they were uh, made the decision to follow Jesus. And so I preach on justification because this is what held me in bondage for the longest from being effective for Jesus. Does anybody wonder if they're good enough to get to heaven and good enough to be used by Jesus? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. <laughs> this is what held me in bondage for so long is I constantly wondered, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Have I gone to church enough? I still struggle with this. How, how can I still be with God? Listen, I thought this was a great quote I heard this week from one of our pastors. Francis Chan says, the two biggest hindrances in, the Amer- in American Christianity, people sitting in church thinking they are saved and they aren't. But then number two, listen, people that actually are saved but are too busy living in condemnation wondering if they're going to heaven or hell. That's a great word for for our church because, listen, here's the deal. If you know Christ, say yes to him, step into the boat, start following him, and as you grow, you're going to grow in your confidence that I've been justified by Christ, right? And that's what it talks about. It starts by getting in the boat. And so take this with you. When you get in the boat, this is what we receive. When we say yes to Christ, we turn from sin, place our faith in him. Getting in the boat means we receive a new life in Jesus, one that's far better than the old one. It's not a better version of you. It's a brand new you with life on purpose. Listen, getting in the boat with Jesus means a purpose-driven life. You remember, these 12 said yes to Jesus, and because of what they've done, we get to hear the good news of the gospel 2,000 years later. Right? It's a purpose-driven life. It's one that, that has a purpose, a why for waking up, of why I'm glad I got in the boat. Before I got in the boat, I had no purpose for waking up. I didn't know what I existed for. But this is what the invitation that Jesus is. Third thing, take this with you. This is so good. We're going to come back to this at the end of the message. Getting in the boat with Jesus means eternal life. When we get in the boat and step in, listen, he's not going to throw you overboard. What, what God seals, he delivers on. Those he calls, he finishes the work he starts. Right? And it's a beautiful picture. We get to have eternal life. So having peace in the midst of storms, listen, you need to be in the boat with the captain of every storm. And his name is Jesus. Now listen, let's move forward here. So how can we have this peace? It starts by getting in the boat with Jesus. But I'm going to say this. Even when we're in the boat with Jesus, it it does not mean we won't have storms. So what do we need to do? We have to have faith to trust Jesus in every storm. Take that with you. Have faith to trust Jesus in every storm. So let's go back to the marathon, okay? So remember, Jesus has not called us to go to the marathon and to cheer other racers on, right? Not to be a fan, 
but he's called us to get into the race. And I love this analogy because a lot of times we underestimate what we can do in a short amount of time. Okay, we overestimate and we underestimate what God can do over a lifetime. So I love this idea of a marathon because it is 26.2 miles. Listen, if y'all run that thing, y'all have fun, but in real life, I'm not going, right? I have no desire to run 26.2 miles, but I do have a desire to live a life that matters. And that life feels like a marathon. I've learned this. Play the long game. I want us to learn today how to be successful in the long game. We're usually caught up in the now, but God's trying to teach us something uh, about a long game. So, so if we're running 26.2 miles, you can guarantee that there are going to be hills over 26 miles and there are going to be valleys. Wouldn't you guys agree? There's going to be some ups, some downs. I know enough about running. I used to wrestle and, man, we used to run all the time. But this is what I know. Those hills are terrible. <laughs> They're terrible. You ever ran up a steep hill about halfway through a run? And man, it is just miserable. You've got to lean forward and it is painful. Our legs are, 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 are shaking, man, and it's, it's getting difficult. It's, it's, it's hard. But man, once you get to the crest of that hill, you make it through the hill, man, that valley is peace. Man, it feels good. You guys with me? Not a lot of runners today. It's okay. Um, but just like there's calms and storms, just like there's hills and valleys, uh, there are storms in our life. And so uh, I, I want to talk about two storms in my life that I think are relevant. Uh, one of the most difficult storms, the first storms, was really uh, a lot of the things I had to work through in my first three years of marriage. Uh, it was stormy. Um, it was almost like a quiet storm. Like it was storming, but then just like on this lake, really about three years in, it all hit the fan, and it was a violent storm, very difficult storm. A storm that had been brewing a long time, but when, when it finally brought rain, it rained. And it was very difficult. And a lot of this storm, its origins uh, were my own sin and rebellion. My own sin of not focusing on, on something that's very important in my life. And this storm came on me. But then a few years later, I have a different storm where I felt like I was in a good season of my life. I thought I was doing a lot of the right things. And yet, I, I nearly uh, fell out of ministry. I, I nearly was wiped out through deep depression, through difficulty, through, through spiritual warfare that I'd never, like, never encountered before. And both times, I, I had to look to God and discern the storm of like, God, what are you trying to teach me here? So, so listen, I, I want you to take something with you. You remember we're justified. When we turn from our sin, when we say yes to Christ, okay? But listen, once we say yes to Christ and get in the boat, the process between now and heaven is called sanctification. I want you to take that with you. Sanctification. Listen, there will be storms when you get in the boat with Jesus. Take that with you. There will be storms. Regardless if you're in the boat or out of the boat, there will be storms with Jesus. And the pathway to becoming the man or woman God has called us to be, the pathway to that will mean enduring storms. It will mean enduring difficult storms. I wish I could tell you, man, when you get in the boat with Jesus, man, all you need is your paddle boat. You don't need no motor, right? Man, you just paddle. All the storms are peaceful. It's like going out on the lake when there's no wind. Listen, that's not it. Sanctification is bumpy. It's rough. There, there's rough waters. I wish it was a straight line. I, I do this at Heart and Soul all the time. I wish it was just say it was straight line, straight and easy. But listen, it's, it's going here, 
It's going there. It's taking a step backward. It's taking a step forward. It's a messy process that will end with being with Jesus as we keep our eyes on him. So listen, I want to talk about this, okay? Sanctification, because there will be storms. Three things. I want you to consider the storms. And and read with me first. I, I want to talk about this. Verse 25, or 24, I'm sorry. It says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping, all right? So we see the disciples, they're going through the storm of life. We see Jesus sleeping, and we're gonna talk about that purpose. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, for we are going to drown. This storm looked too big. This storm looked like they weren't gonna make it. This storm was rough. The waves were too big. The boat was too small. So as we encounter these storms in my life, I want to give, or in our lives, I want to give some considerations. The first one is this. Some storms we bring on ourselves. Right? Some storms we bring on ourselves. I want you to read Lamentations 1, 20 and 21. That's what it says. Starting in, uh, in 20. It says, See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and I and my heart, And in my heart, I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside, the sword sword bereaves. Inside, there is only death. Verse 21. It says, people have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. What you bring, uh, may you bring the day you have announced, so they may become like me. In verse 20, when he talks about rebellion and what's going on in this passage, the whole nation of Israel, God's people, God had been calling them to repent. God had been calling them to turn back to him, right? And now because of their rebellion, they were suffering a terrible storm. Uh, uh, They had a, a foreign nation came in to God's people and routed them. And this terrible season of difficulty and storm was brought on. And what he began to realize was, oh my gosh, uh, we have brought this storm. And they were repenting and coming back to God. So listen, some storms we bring ourselves. Second thing I want you to consider with storms. Some storms are brought on by Satan. Listen, there may be in your life, and one, we gotta be honest, the storms that come from us. Right? And I think that's a huge thing. But also, no, I want you to know this. If you're trying to follow Jesus, If you're seeking him, sometimes you're encountering storms from an enemy that does not want you to flourish in that boat. He doesn't want you to flourish in that boat. That's a real thing. I'll stand here and tell you that's a reality, but this is what I want you to know. From cover to cover, you're like, but well, there's God, Satan, who has authority? Listen, Satan does have some authority on earth, but it is restricted, it is limited, and it is temporary. Hear that again, I want you to see that, okay? Now we have an enemy who has limited authority. But what I'm about to tell you is the God who has all authority to speak into our storms. And though he does not always cause them, but by gosh, he uses them. I wanna show you this today. So listen, the disciples were afraid. I wanna give a consideration that maybe this storm was brought on by the enemy. Number one, Jesus told them, why are you so afraid? Anytime you're in fear, the source of that fear is our enemy. God doesn't work that way, right? Like God does not uh, incite fear of the things around us. No, when we come to know him, we have a reverent fear of him and we trust him in life. So listen, think about it. 
if you're Satan and you've got some authority on earth, if you've got the Son of Man in a little old boat on a lake and you've got all of his disciples, man, what an opportunity to take them out. Amen? What an opportunity to take them out. But let's see how this story plays out. In verse 26, it says, He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. So I want you to think about it. As you've discerning storms in your life, right? As you think about the rough waters in your life and the origins of them, this is what I want you to know. Wherever they came from, all storms are used by Jesus. All storms are used by Jesus. Listen, but this storm was difficult, but they endured the storm because they got in the boat with Jesus. They were able to see this through. Remember, he's training them. These weren't learned men. They did not have seminary degrees, right? Like, listen, Jesus had to teach and train. If I was in that boat and one day I was going to a foreign country to go share the gospel and to make disciples and I came up on a storm, I promise you I would have remembered this one, amen? This is a lesson I never would have forgotten. And what I'm praying for today is that we learn the same lessons because here's the deal. This storm that was allowed by God, regardless of the source. It was used by Jesus. Listen, he got them exactly where he wanted them. And that was them crying out to God, knowing they needed God. You ever notice that when things are going well in your life, it's a lot harder to be close with Jesus? Have you ever noticed in the storms that it seems that intimacy with God, if you're a believer, seems so much more connected because we've come up on something in our life that has put us on our knees and made us realize we need him every day. That's what it looks like. That's what uh, it it says. And so um, they cried out, Lord, save us. And so listen, I've been here in my life. I've been mad with God. I've been confused by God. I've just wondered what the heck's going on. But this is what I've learned. On the front end, the middle, and the back end of storms, he uses them all. C.S. Lewis had a great quote. Because maybe today some of you are healing from storms. Maybe some are still trying to figure out where where that storm came from. But listen, C.S. Lewis, think about running up the hill, the pain of it, of storms. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Have you ever considered that your deepest pain may just lead you to find Jesus? I think about it. I heard one of our pastors in Statesboro shared last week, and I just feel led to share this story. And and talking about eternity and getting in the boat, I had a friend of mine whose father was, was tragically hit by a drunk driver. Total accident, uh, healthy, um, probably 50-something years old, and uh, was paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, fully functional, outdoorsman, go-getter type. And in one phone call, my my friend John gets a call that his dad's been paralyzed by a total accident. And, And could you imagine, some of you have received that call, right? That call that is just shattering of like, God, why? And a year later, um, and he lived up in Kennesaw, I believe, somewhere up there, uh, decided to move down with his family, his boys that are in Statesboro. Uh, you know, one, one of his sons was on staff at church there. And a year later, uh, after getting adjusted to the wheelchair and all those things, 
uh, John was asked to, to preach. And, uh, and he got done, and he started preaching. And he looked down, and this man on the front row had his hand lifted, and it was his father. Responded in faith to the, the message he preached in a place he never intended to live, in a service he never should have been at. But this is what I know. They both will walk together in heaven with new bodies. And that's the kind of way God loves us. And we don't always understand, so don't hear me in that. There's some things that it's okay to ask God why. But I want you to know, he's always working. And he's always working for his people. Listen, I want to think about this. We may suffer in this life, but God doesn't waste suffering. He uses it. So how do we endure? We need to look to Jesus. The Bible tells us he is our perfect peace. Because Jesus was teaching them. As the world was raging, as the world around them was was going bananas, what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. What he was showing them that in this world you'll find trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What he was showing them is that the peace you seek won't be found in your circumstances. It'll be found in me. I can have peace because I am perfectly in the will of my Father. Read with me Isaiah 26, 3. This is what it says. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, it says his promise is peace. Steadfastness, right? Not only peace, but perfect peace. Listen, the storms, I believe, make a mature disciple. You know, this is the the cost of following Jesus. This is not very popular in churches. But as we grow as disciples of Jesus, Part of the maturation process are the storms. And there's no real way around that, right? So so listen, I want you to read with me Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified. Now listen, go back. We got in the boat, justified. We're following Jesus now. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God. If you're in the boat, God's not angry. He's on your side. He loves you in everything you go through in this crazy life. He's with you. Verse 2. It says, uh, though through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, that's his favor, his help, in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Think about storms, the difficulties, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, right? Think about the hills of life. When you train for marathons, you run hills so that you can successfully finish the race. In the same way, it produces perseverance. So if you've gone through some storms and trusted Jesus, it is growing our perseverance. And as we grow in perseverance, we are growing in our character. We're growing in the strong inner man. That though the world may be going crazy, we know where to go when it does. Man, we're faithful. We're, we're trusting. And character produces Hope. We say, but what kind of hope? We should be the kind of people that walk around in this world and people say their hope's not in this world, it's in the one to come. The way we go about the storm should point people to Jesus. I said it in 2018 and I still believe it. I believe the coming revival in our nation will be lived out and modeled much more than it will be preached. I believe the way we walk through sufferings, the, the lost world will look in and say, they've got something real. One of, one of my, my, my pastors, my favorite pastor listened to, Matt Chandler, you know what drew me in to listen to the gospel and hear his message? To hear him preach when he had terminal cancer. 
To, to hear his preaching when this life looked like it was over. But man, his words, his hope wasn't in this thing going out just like he wanted it. His hope was in the life to come. And this man drew me in to learn more about the gospel and the one day preach. But it was his storms, his faithfulness in the storms that drew me in. So listen, and this is, a, this is an encouragement to all those in Christ. The way we live in this stormy world should illuminate the reality that we are not of this world. And our faith is not in this world. Rick Warren once said, take this with you, your greatest ministry will likely come from your deepest pain. Your your greatest ministry will most likely be the storms you've endured. The people you will help the most will be the people that are suffering and going through the same storms you've been through. I I think about it like this. Uh, My my uncle tragically was, was murdered in one night. Right, just 51 years old, uh, 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 a close, just another father figure to me had just come to faith in Christ, had a lot of life to live. And in one phone call, that joy and peace became a storm of like, God, you know, just questions why. But th- listen, this is what I want you to know. There's not many Easter's go by that I tell his testimony of coming, coming to faith in Christ eight days before he died. And there's not many Easter's that people don't meet Jesus. God may do our our best ministry in our deepest pain. You know, there's a season, and many of you that were here for that time knew that that I went through a season of suffering that that I didn't know if this would ever happen again. I cannot tell you the conversations I've had with people about depression, uh, mental health, and, and spiritual warfare that have just been just a voice of help and light. Our deepest pain may become our greatest ministries. And I want you to consider something, giving you perspective here. Remember, we talked about perspective last week. We have the captain of the storm, the one who is in control of our ship, the waves, the wind, and all those things. We have one that sees the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going through. He hears you. He sees the other side. He, he knows how to get you to the other side. But as you're going through it, when it feels like everything's dark, I've been there. Listen, consider What if our storms become our stories? And listen, this is what I've learned. Our stories often lead people to salvation in Jesus. Our storms become our stories, and our stories, testimony, is often what leads people to faith in Jesus. What if God delivering you through your greatest storm is the story that brings someone else into the kingdom? Let's keep heaven in mind. Amen? Amen. I want to... Talk about this here. Lastly, have faith that Jesus will get us to the other side. This is the the doctrine of glorification. That's heaven. So justification, old life in sin, doing it our way, confession of sin, God, I need you by faith. Yes to Jesus, getting in the boat. We've talked about this boat has storms and trials and it beats us up. But if we're in the boat with Jesus, he's doing something in our storms. And lastly, this is what I want you to know. At the end of life, okay, Jesus has the ability to get you to the other side. In other translations, we see that this passage ends with the disciples getting to the other side of the lake. It's a metaphor for life. When you get in the boat with Jesus, he can get you across the lake. 
When you get in the boat with Jesus, he's going to get you to the destination. And for us, that destination is heaven. It's on the far side of the lake. Imagine the feeling. Now, I want to, I want to talk about this for a minute. Imagine the feeling if you struck out, unlike me, uh, to run the marathon, right? Man, I, I've never done it, probably never will. But can you imagine the feeling when you cross the finish line of the Boston Marathon? Like, like just the re- relief, the joy, all the pain, the training, the endurance, the suffering, it's over. You can go to Golden Corral or something, it's over. This is how we should finish our life, disciples. This is how we should finish our life. I want you to read one of my heroes of the faith. Paul says this as he's getting ready to finish his race. And my brother and sister, he endured some crazy storms. Right? Now listen to what he says when he finishes his journey. 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 1. That's what it says. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, Timothy. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4. It says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. Verse 5. But you... So the one thing Paul's thinking about at the end of his life as he's finishing the race, the disciples and the ministry he's leaving behind. He's saying, you've seen me do this hard stuff. You have seen me stay faithful to the word. You've seen me endure the storms with Jesus. He says, I want you to do the same. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge discharge all the duties of your ministry. Verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We can just stop right there. As we are running our race, the marathon, one, if you're not in the boat with Jesus today, get in the boat. If you're going through the storm, see the one who's going to get you through the storm. And as we're all running disciples this race, keep the end in mind. See that Jesus will get you to the other side. Now, verse 8, he says, Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also all to all who have belonged for his appearing. Paul is saying all of us that are looking to the finish line, that are longing to be with Jesus, that are longing to run the race, all the ones that have trusted him in storms, even storms that are brought on by following him, he says one day we're going to finish that race and we're going to receive a crown of righteousness that will be a greater reward than anything you could live in a million lifetimes. He was looking to the end. This is the doctrine of glorification, the final destination being with Jesus. And so as we bring this in, okay, remember, we need to get in the boat with Jesus, trust him by faith. We need to trust Jesus in every storm. We need to trust that Jesus will get us to the other side. Because this good news of the gospel, the good news that we were the ones on the shore, we are the ones trying to get to the other side, And the great chasm was our sin. 
a tide that was pulling against us. We could never hop in that lake and swim there. Your, your best efforts could never get you to the other side. Any other captains, you're gonna be shipwrecked. This great chasm of sin, the things we've done that have hurt the heart of God, we could not get to the other side. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus from the other side. And he invites us in to get into the boat. And so today, if you've never said yes and received the invitation, man, today I wanna give you that opportunity. Could we pray together? Oh, Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your word today. Lord, I just pray for each and every heart in here. God, those that aren't in the boat, God, those that are in the storm, those that are, need to be reminded of the finish line, God, I pray you would meet us all where you are. Man, it's just amazing. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that you would send your son from the other side of the lake. God, thank you that you would send a son out of heaven to die in our place for our sin. And God, I was reminded when I heard this, not with my ears, but with my heart, and I know the freedom it brought me. God, I just have to believe there's someone here that today's the day of that freedom for them, that they could say yes to Jesus for the first time and be justified for all eternity receiving the good news of the gospel. If that's you here today and you say, Buck, I, I know the, the Holy Spirit, God is stirring my heart. I don't even know. I just know I, I need Jesus and I would like to begin a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand here today? Is there anyone in the house of God today that would just say yes to Jesus? I'll give you guys just a moment. Amen. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you would give us great courage, great strength, great endurance through the storms. And Lord, most of all, I pray you give us peace. Teach us, Lord. Give us perspective. Help us to trust you more. At the end of the day, it's all about knowing you. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.